0: We are in the second week of a four-week series that we're calling Recovery and Reconnect. And over the past year, we have endured a horrific trauma due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We've watched with fear and horror as the virus spread throughout the United States and all over the world, leaving emotional physical, and spiritual damage in its wake. In this past year, we've lost over 500,000 souls in the U.S. alone. And we've also lost precious time with loved ones, graduation ceremonies, birthday celebrations, and so much more. Now, last week, as we looked at Ruth chapter 1, we saw that Naomi and her family also had experienced incredible loss and pain due to a famine in Bethlehem, a move to a foreign land, and then the loss of not just one family member, but the loss of three family members. These traumas caused great damage to Naomi. And likewise, the pandemic has caused damage in our lives. And over the past week, I asked you to look at the wounds of powerlessness, isolation, loneliness, and ambivalence. And um, based on many of my conversations with you, I've been so encouraged at the hard work that you guys have put in to think about how you've experienced each of these wounds and the different coping strategies that you use to survive these wounds. I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, like no other series that we've ever done at Hope Chapel, you will get out of this series what you put into it. And I'm grateful for your willingness to dive in the deep end with me and do some real hard work. Now, this morning, we are continuing on our healing path, still looking at the first chapter of Ruth, where we see three things. First an invitation to move toward God. Secondly, an invitation to lament. And then thirdly, an invitation to relinquish our survival strategies. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning for the sunshine that warms us. We're grateful Holy Spirit, that you promise to speak to us through your word, and that we pray this morning that you would continue to do the work of healing in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our community, in our city, and in the world. We pray for your grace, and we pray that we would have ears to hear, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, the first thing that I want us to consider as we look at chapter one of Ruth again is an invitation to move toward God. Now, I was talking with Jan Hanner two weeks ago about her journey with cancer, and I was curious about how she has maintained such an incredible faith in the midst of such suffering. And so I asked her about that, and without hesitation, She turned to me and she said, When faced with great suffering and hardship, we either run away from God or we run to him. She said, there really is no middle ground. As I pondered Jan's words and was thinking about the book of Ruth, I believe Jan's right, that the waves of trauma either move us toward the shore and solid footing in Christ or out to sea where we find ourselves tossed to and fro by every wave. Now, as you look at verses 6 through 21, we see that Naomi allowed the waves to carry her toward God, not away from him. In verse 6, the author tells us that while in the fields of Moab... Naomi heard that the famine in Bethlehem had ended. And it's here where we see the first glimpse of Naomi's continued faith in God. As she did not attribute the relief in Bethlehem to chance or to other gods. But to the Lord, agreeing that God had visited his people and given them food. Then if you look down in verse 20 and 21, the author gives us another glimpse into Naomi's heart toward God when she arrives in Bethlehem and tells those that greet her to no longer call her Naomi, but to ins- instead to call her Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. In these verses, we see that the movement toward God after a trauma can be a bumpy one. Naomi understood that she lived in a fallen world and that although she was a follower of God, she nor her family were immune from suffering. And Naomi also believed that God is sovereign and that nothing touches her that does not first pass by him. In her statements, we see a courageous woman struggling not alone, but with God to reconcile both of these truths. And likewise, as we process the trauma that we've all endured over the past year, our text today is inviting us to not struggle alone, but to struggle in our relationships with God. Over the past year, we've seen firsthand what Paul talks about in Romans. That the earth is literally groaning and crying out as it awaits Christ's return and the consummation of all things. We've seen the destruction of death. And at no point in time did these events surprise God. Nor did they touch us without first passing by him. And so the challenge for us this morning is, will we, like Naomi, choose to move toward him with our questions and our complaints? Will we join our voices with the psalmist in Psalm 13 and cry out to God saying, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all day. How long shall my enemy be exalted? The truth is, being honest with God and questioning Him in the midst of our pain and suffering is not movement away from God, it is the posture that draws us close to Him. And so, one question that I want you to write down, I want you to process this week. And that question is, how has the pandemic affected your heart towards God? How has the pandemic affected your heart towards God? Have the waves of the pandemic moved you toward Him, or have they moved you away into what feels like the abyss? God loves our honesty. And he invites us to wrestle openly with him. Nowhere in the book of Ruth do we see God chastising Naomi for the things that she felt. Or the things that she said. Quite the contrary. We see God always inviting her and us to move toward him. To be honest with him. The healing path that we are taking is a path where questions And doubts are welcomed, for it is in these places of honest reflection concerning the events that have happened and God's hand in them that brings restoration, healing and greater faith in him. And so the first thing that I want us to consider this morning is the invitation toward God. The second thing I want us to consider is the invitation To lament. Now, as I've thought back over the last 18 years of meeting with clients, I believe that every person that I've had the privilege of sitting with has had some unresolved trauma in their past. And one key component in their healing journey is not only naming that trauma and the resulting wounds but also grieving the losses that they have experienced. And as we look back at our text this morning, we see Naomi and Orpah and Ruth making time and space to grieve the losses that they have experienced. Look at verse 7. The author tells us that the three women, they're setting out to return to the land of Judah. Judah. And as they were traveling along, we see the wound of ambivalence in, Noah, in Naomi. As a part of her wants Orpah and Ruth to accompany her to Judah. And another part of her wants them to return to their parents' homes. We see this play out as they were journeying along toward Judah. And then Naomi changes her mind and tells Orpah and Ruth, go, return each of you to your Mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with each, with the dead, and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And while Naomi's sudden change of heart must have been confusing to Orpah and Ruth, her ambivalence provided them with the necessary space to not only grieve the possibility of parting ways but also to grieve the losses that the three of them had shared over the past 10 years. The text says they lifted up their voices and wept with one another. The women cried out to God. They entered into lament. And likewise, for us to continue in our healing journey, we too need to make time and space to grieve the many losses that we've incurred over the past year. And it's it's usually at this point in in my sessions that my clients look at me and they're, they're like, "Okay, I understand that I need to grieve the losses. How in the world do I do that? How do I grieve things in the past? How do I even grieve things in the present? And I want to offer a few suggestions for us this morning that might help us to grieve the losses that we've endured over the last year. And the first suggestion is, I think it's important for us to remember that we cannot force ourselves to grieve. We cannot force ourselves to grieve. I was watching the Netflix documentary with Zach Efron. It's called Down to Earth. Um, in the special, he and his friend, they travel all over the world exploring the effects of climate change and looking at renewable sources of energy and food production. And in one of the episodes, his counterpart turns to him and asks him why he's been so successful in acting. And Zach said, well, one reason is... I can cry on command. Now, the guy riding with him said, no way. I don't believe you. There's no way you can cry on command. And he said, watch. Within 20 seconds, as they're riding along in the car, Zac Ephron is just weeping, tears rolling down his face. Now, while Zach made himself cry, most of us can't. And healthy grieving doesn't come by mustering up tears. Grief cannot be forced. So I want to encourage you to offer yourself grace when it comes to grieving. I can remember myself talking with my counselor years ago, and I told him I felt like I had all this pain in me, and and it was just kind of stuck. I was I was emotionally constipated, and it just wouldn't come out. And he looked at me and he said, It's okay. Grief will come in God's timing. And I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but he was right. Grief came when I least expected it. And so as we think about how to grieve, the first thing that we need to remember is that grief can't be forced. It will come in God's timing. A second suggestion, though, in helping us as we process our grief is to take some time to write about a particular event or a day in the past year. I'd encourage you to take a a particular event or day that was difficult over the past year and then spend time writing about that day. Where were you? Were you alone or with someone? What were you wearing? Were there any particular smells? What things happened on that day? What did you see and feel? What did you need and maybe didn't get? What did you want and possibly didn't receive? What did you lose that day? Take an hour by yourself to write about that day and ask God to meet you and see what he brings up in you. Don't judge whatever comes up in you. Don't analyze it. Just let yourself feel it. And so one suggestion is grief can't be forced. Another suggestion is to take some time to write about a particular event. A third suggestion is for those of us who like to be outdoors, go find your favorite spot and spend some time there reflecting over the past year. I love being near the water. And so if I want to reflect and pray, I sometimes will head out to Lake Jeanette and walk on the trails around the lake. For you, it might be a particular park. Wherever you feel comfortable, go spend a couple of hours hanging out there and ask some of the same questions that I shared with you about writing your story. Ask the Lord to meet you and he will meet you. And so one suggestion is you can't force grief. Secondly, maybe take it some time to write about a particular day. A third is to take some time outdoors and just process and reflect. And then fourthly, encourage you to find someone you trust. Be that a friend, a mentor, a pastor or a counselor. And take time with them to share stories from the past year. For some of us, it's helpful to meet with someone we trust to process through the events of the year. And then for them to authentically mirror to us how they feel as they hear our stories. Their mirroring and listening ear often gives us insight into the ways we are feeling. And even they offer us permission To fill those feelings ourselves. So, these are four things that might help provide the necessary space that we need to enter into our grief. Don't force grief. Take time to write your story. Go for a walk outside and process the past year and talk with a trusted friend, pastor, or counselor. Now, let me very quickly say. That grief is not always in the form of tears. Grief can be anger over loss. It can be feelings of guilt, sadness, or a plethora of other emotions. It is the cry of our hearts to God. And lastly, for those of us who might be resistant to grieving or who might be thinking that you really haven't experienced significant losses over the past year that would warrant lament, I humbly want to say to you that no matter your loss, whether it was the death of a loved one or the loss of getting to celebrate your birthday with friends, any and all losses are worthy of lament. And when we don't honor our losses and when we stuff our grief, it will either lead to emotional constipation, like I suffered for many years, or it'll come out sideways in forms of irritability, tiredness, or a depressed mood. So... The first thing that we see in our passage this morning is an invitation to move toward God in the midst of trauma. Secondly, we see an invitation to grieve. And then third, we see an invitation to relinquish our survival strategies. Now, last week, I talked about the three wounds that Naomi and many of us have suffered as a result of the pandemic. Powerlessness, isolation and loneliness and ambivalence. And I talked about the different strategies that we employed to cope with these wounds, such as some of us, the way we coped was by gaining all the information we could about the pandemic or on the opposite. Some of us coped by minimizing the pandemic Others of us might have turned to food, alcohol, shopping, gambling, sex, or drugs to help us cope. And some of us might have gone to extremes in trying to be a good neighbor. While others of us chose not to think about our neighbors at all. All of us here developed strategies to survive over the last year. And we need to honor those strategies because without them you wouldn't be sitting here this morning or watching online. But the challenge for all of us is to recognize that soon the pandemic is going to be over. And the temptation is going to be for us to continue to use our strategies. And while this might be okay in some instances, such as utilizing Zoom to reach out to loved ones who live in different states. In most instances, for our own health and the health of our relationships moving forward, we need to relinquish our survival strategies. Now, for example, in our passage this morning, I highlighted the ambivalence that Naomi struggled with as a result of the trauma she entered. She had two contradictory desires going on inside of her. One of the desires was to take the women with her back to Bethlehem. And the other desire, which was completely contradictory, was to go back alone. And as often is the case with ambivalence, the issue is not doing one or the other. The issue is we get stuck and we do neither and we see a glimpse of this in Naomi as she stops on the road as they were making their way back to Judah. And she gives this long speech on why it would be better for Orpa and Ruth to go back to their own parents' homes. But what we see at the end of our passage is Naomi relinquishing her ambivalence. Getting unstuck as she says goodbye to Orpah and locks arms with Ruth as they head toward Bethlehem. Likewise, for us to move toward healing from the wounds of our pandemic, we need to prayerfully consider which survival strategies that we need to relinquish. I know for me, as I pondered this over the past several weeks, one of my survival strategies during the pandemic, and to be honest, one of my survival strategies in my own story, is to isolate I'm single for many reasons, but one reason is because my survival strategy is to isolate. And during the pandemic, I found myself pulling back from relationships, not particularly because I feared getting COVID or giving COVID, but because the pandemic has been so stressful that isolation takes less energy than engaging those around me. And while my isolation actually was applauded by many of you and experts and on a surface level, followed all the CDC guidelines, I have to confess that it was a survival strategy. And if I continue to employ this survival strategy moving forward, then I'll be keeping myself from the very thing that God created for me, and that is to be in relationship with him and with others. And so for me, relinquishing is choosing not to isolate in the weeks and months ahead, but instead to move back into community and to engage those around me in deeper ways. And so one question that I want to encourage you to wrestle with this week and to write this down is what survival strategies do you need to relinquish in the upcoming weeks and months as we exit this pandemic? And then secondly, what new strategies is God calling you to employ that will move you towards him and others in healthy ways? Let me repeat that. What survival strategies do you need to relinquish in the upcoming weeks and months? As we exit the pandemic. And then what new strategies is God calling you to employ that will move you towards him and others in healthy ways? My hope is this week, as you ponder all of these questions, that God will continue to do a healing work in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, as you did last week, to talk about these questions in your community groups, with your friends, in youth group and beyond. The first chapter of Ruth is an amazing text, and that's why we've stayed in it for two weeks. In it, we've, dis- we've discovered the horrific trauma that Naomi and her fa- family encountered and the damage that it inflicted on their lives. But the beautiful thing about Ruth and the beautiful thing about our Savior is that he, too, endured horrific trauma in his life. He suffered ridicule from the religious and betrayal from his inner circle. He was beaten and hung on a cross. His body and heart were damaged deeply by all that he experienced. But God raised him from the dead God healed his wounds and made a way for us now to experience healing and redemption from our brokenness. It is our Christ that invites us to move toward him. It is our Christ that invites us to relinquish our survival strategies. And it is our Christ who invites us to grieve and to cry out to him. In these next few moments, I want to give us an opportunity to join our voices in corporate lament over the events of the last year. I know we will all have more work to do individually, but I think this is a great occasion for us to do that together this morning. And my prayer is, is that we do this, that Jesus will hold our tears, our anger and whatever else we are feeling as we pour our hearts out to him. Amen.